as I started to think about today and preaching this message today, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 7. You can go ahead and open there. I started thinking about how that the month of May is such an interesting month. It's a, it's, a, it's a great month for the life of our church just because we spend a little bit of time focused on and recognizing and being thankful for so many different generations of folks. I mean, you think about what all takes place in our church in the month of May. Uh, we began the month with a senior adult day. And on that same day, our children's choir uh, presented their presentation for the, the semester. And then last Sunday, we, we dedicated babies and recognized moms. And then today, in our second service, we'll be recognizing our high school graduates and praying over them as they, uh, as they move on into college and into careers and into adulthood. And then next Sunday, we'll be recognizing and or, or, or paying remembrance to our fallen military heroes. And it's just a testament, I believe, to our church and our commitment to want to be a church for all generations. A church that ministers to everyone from the moment of birth until the moment they step into heaven. And it's just a testament to who we are as a people that we feel that God loves every single individual, every single soul. And then just a few weeks after May, we get to recognize our dads and at Father's Day. And I got to think about that. I got, I got to tell you a little bit of a story. Um, so a few weeks ago, uh, my boys and I were... Um, and Kim, we're getting out of the car on a Wednesday night. And uh, my boys have fallen in love with Miss Ronnie. They think Miss Ronnie's the coolest woman ever. They think she is like the best thing ever. We went to uh, Get Air, this like trampoline place a few weeks ago, uh, back at spring break with the teenagers. And the boys tagged along with us. And Ronnie went, and she was out there jumping and stuff. And my boys thought she was just like the coolest, you know, best thing since sliced bread. They were following her around. Miss Ronnie, Miss Ronnie, help come do this. Well, they were getting out of the car the other day. And, uh, and my boys looked over there and saw him and said, hey, Miss Ronnie, hey, Miss Ronnie. And then Bart stepped out of the car, and one of my boys said, hey, Miss Ronnie, is that your dad? Is that your dad's car? And Ronnie said, why, yes, it is. You're my best friend. I need y'all to pray for my kids. I do. And I say that, no, no joke. I do need, my, my boys, especially one of my sons named Will, uh, he has developed a knack for striking up conversations with women. He is like, he is a little flirt. Let me just give you two examples. I, I promise this connects with what we're doing today. So we went to, uh, we went to Gatlinburg a few weeks ago on some vacation, and, uh, and we were, went on hiking on this one trail, and we got to this waterfall at the end of the trail, and the boys are climbing around and stuff, and there, was this, uh, there were these three or four gir teenage girls hanging out there, and... Um, and, and this one blonde-headed, skinny, blonde-headed girl was, was hiking down there. And my son, Will, just went over to me and said, hey, what's your name? She's like, well, my name's Caitlin. Well, my name's William Elijah James. What's your full name? <laughs> you know, starts asking her all this stuff, starts following around and says, well, hey, I know a Caitlin. She's in our youth group. Um, there's a Caitlin in our youth group. Talking about Caitlin Blackard back there, who is one of my son, Will, calls his, his other girlfriend, um, and so he, he, everywhere we go, we go in the hotel late at night, he strikes up a conversation in the elevator with these two girls, and he's like, I'm in room 304, what room are you in? <laughs> Not this stuff. And so then last Wednesday, we're sitting in the snack room eating, um, eating our supper before Wednesday night church, and, and there's two girls in there, um, who, they're not in here today, so it's, it, it's two girls in the youth group, and Will looks over at me and says, are y'all teenagers? And they're like, yeah, and he goes, y'all are cute. <laughs> we have to pray for our kids, don't we? And so today, I want to talk about prayer. I thought about this as we were thinking about our graduates, and uh, if I could tell anything to our graduates, I would tell them this, that, that if, if I could give them one little bit of advice, I would say this, stay connected. 
Stay connected to our church, to a church, whether it's here or whether it's you move away. Stay connected to the body of Christ. Stay connected to the word of God and stay connected to the Father in prayer. Because if we do not do those things, our faith will falter and we will fall aside. But here's the question I want to bring up today. In thinking about prayer specifically, what do we do when we feel like God is silent? What do we do when we go through those seasons of life where we feel that we pray, but we don't feel like we get an answer? We feel that we cry out to God, and it just seems like our prayers are hitting a brick wall. Tonight, to, this morning and tonight, I want to look at this subject. Today, I want to be, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 7, reading verses 7 through 11. And then tonight we're going to look at several different passages just addressing this topic of what are the questions we need to ask ourselves when it seems that God is silent, when it seems that God doesn't answer, doesn't speak in the midst of our prayers. And so Matthew chapter 7, let's read verses 7 through 11. It says, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find, knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks, it will be opened. Or which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? First question that we need to ask ourselves to look at this morning when it comes to times when God is silent is this. Are you asking? Jesus began that little portion of teaching simply with this statement. Ask and it will be given to you. And in the next verse he says, for everyone who asks receives. And so first and foremost, when it comes to prayer, we have to ask. That we must be people who ask. And I, oftentimes I believe that we do not see God, that I personally do not see God move the way that I could see him move simply because I have not asked him to do so, simply because I have not spent the time that I ought to spend on my knees in prayer. You see, there's an, there's an implicit idea here that Jesus is saying. He says, ask and it will be given. For everyone who asks will receive. Well, here's what that means. For those who do not ask, they will not receive. We must ask. My boys play with, with the kids in our neighborhood. We kind of have like the Shetland Trail posse. We live on Shetland Trail, and it's like three houses, and it's about, I think it's like nine kids that run between these three houses, and they literally bounce from house to house. They go across the street to play on the trampoline. They go next door to go in the pool when they come to our house to eat snacks. And then they just rotate between the three, and they go back and forth. And so, inevitably, they come to our door a lot. And they ring the doorbell, and sometimes they'll, they'll, you'll ring, they'll ring the doorbell, and as soon as you open the door, they just, whoom, right on in the door. And so I learned that I, what I needed to do was I had to stand in the door when I opened it. Now, I don't mind at all for them to come in, but I wanted to teach them to ask. And so I'll open the door, and I'll just stand there, and I'll look at them. Can I help you? Hey, what's up? And they'll look at me. Uh, can we play? Yeah, sure, come on in. You know, I don't ever mind them coming in for the most part, but I want them to learn to ask and not just to expect to receive because they happen to knock on the door. And so it is with our Father that we must 
Ask. Now, why do we need to ask? It's an honest question. If God knows our needs, what the Bible teaches us, he already knows our needs, right? And the Bible even teaches us that the Holy Spirit is the one who gives us the words to pray. So for some, it might seem like, well, why do we even need to ask? Why go through the process if we know he already knows? Well, here's why, I believe, for at least two reasons. Number one, because it is an act of humility. That when I come to God in prayer, I am showing, I am demonstrating, I am putting myself in a position of saying, I know that he is God and I am not. That he is the one who provides and I am not. That he is the one who can work miracles, not me. But I believe it is also an act of trust. That when I come to God in prayer, I'm saying to him, I trust that you can take what I'm about to give. That you can do something with this situation that I can do nothing with. I think back to Matthew chapter 6, verse 25. If you were to jump back just a little bit, you can read this later. But Jesus is talking about worry. And he says, don't worry. He says, God knows your needs. He says, don't worry about your food. Don't worry about what you're going to drink. Don't worry about all those things. Because if God clothes the flowers of the field, won't he clothe you? Instead, trust and seek. And so when we come to the Father in prayer, we are demonstrating. We are putting ourselves in a position of saying, I am not God, and I trust the one who is. But then why do we fail to ask? I believe it's because we don't prioritize prayer enough. James chapter 4, verse 2 says it like this. You do not have because you do not ask. When I was a kid, uh, when I was a teenager and began to date, um, began to go out with my friends... I would always go to my dad and would ask him every single Friday night or whatever night it was I went out, and I would ask him the same question. I would say, hey, Dad, what time do you want me to be home? And he would always answer the same way, and it drove me nuts. He would say, well, son, what time do you want to be home? That's a trap. It's a trap. Because if I said too late, I knew I would get shot down, and it would actually be earlier than it should have been. But if I said too early, then I would feel like I was wasting part of the night, right? And so we would usually end up settling around somewhere around 1130 every time. And I remember my dad telling me later, he said, son, I would have let you stay out a little later if you'd just asked, but you never did ask. We don't have because we don't ask. I'll be honest, I'll confess to you today that, that, that prayer has, has many times in my life been a struggle. That I have failed to prioritize prayer. That I have allowed other things to take priority and to consume my time instead of prayer. And I wonder, I'm just guessing, that there's probably some other people who are like me, and you'd be honest today if you said that your prayer life maybe is a little more haphazard than it is consistent. We don't have because we don't ask. The evangelist R.A. Torrey, he said it like this, we are too busy to pray, and so we are too busy to have power. We have a great deal of activity, but we accomplish little. Many services, but few conversions. Much machinery, but few results. We must ask. Second question we need to ask ourselves when we feel that our prayers are going unanswered is this. Are you seeking the answer? Jesus said in the next part of that verse, in verse 7, he said, Seek and you will find. Again, once again, there is this promise here. That if we will seek, we will find the answer. That through the power of the Holy Spirit, He will give us the answer. And so we can take from that again. Once again, if we don't seek, we will not find. 
I see this play out every single day at my house. I, I, Caleb, my son, came to us the other day, yesterday, and he, he was whining to me and my wife, I can't find my blanket. Well, son, have you looked in the playroom? No. Well, why don't you go look there? Well, can you look for me? <laughs> well, son, why don't you go look in your bedroom? No. And so usually he doesn't find things because he doesn't look. He's a typical guy. <laughs> you know, he doesn't want to look. He, he's, he, goes, he walks in the door, walks back out, says, I didn't find it. Well, did you look under your bed? No. Did you look in the closet? No. Did you look on the couch? No. He doesn't find because he didn't look. When I was a kid, my dad took me fishing a lot, and I take my boys fishing a lot, and, and I find myself now telling my boys the same thing that I, my dad told me. Uh, we'll go through times where the boys will they'll make two casts, and they'll, and they'll get frustrated, and they'll want to quit fishing because they haven't caught anything, and I will tell them the same exact words my dad told me. Son, you can't catch a fish with your hook out of the water. You won't find it if you're not looking. You won't find it if you're not seeking. And so how does seeking apply to our prayer life? My thoughts go to Proverbs chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. I believe it's going to be on the screen for you. Just follow along. It says, My son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments with you, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart for, to understanding, yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, that sounds like asking to me. If you then... Seek it like silver and search for it as for hidden treasures. Then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. You see, I believe that any time and every time that we fall to our knees in prayer, asking God for wisdom, asking God to intervene, we ought to then fall to our knees with the word of God in front of us and search for the answer. You know, sometimes I believe we don't receive the answer to our prayer because we haven't looked in the Word of God. We ask the Lord to speak to us, meanwhile, God's Word is sitting feet from us. He has already spoken, and we simply need to dig for the answer. You see, when we pray about things like broken relationships and what to do, the answer is there. When we pray about our financial struggles... The answer is there. When we pray about career decisions, it's there. When we pray about family issues and what to do about your kids, it's there. When we pray about the salvation of others, the answer is there. The answers that we need are most likely already here. Now, now, now get this. Now, while the words that we read may not magically fix the broken relationship, the principles that we learn will tell us what to do. While the words that we read may not say, Thou taketh that job, the principles that we learn will help us to make that decision. While the words that we read may not tell us how to get out of our financial mess, the things that we learn will help us to make wise decisions from then on. While the words that we read may not take away the sickness, they'll give us comfort and teach us to trust our Savior, who is the healer. And so I'm convinced that if we are burdened enough to pray about it, then we ought to be burdened enough to seek the word for the answer. Knowing that God has already spoken and his word is perfect. And the answer to our own prayer may be right here in the book. And then lastly, the question we need to ask ourselves is this. Are you knocking persistently? You know, one day there was a man named Bob, and Bob decided that he needed to lose some weight. 
And so Bob made the decision that he was going to give up his daily trips to the donut shop on his way to his job. Now, this was going to be a tough decision because the donut shop was really great and it was right on the route and he stopped there every single day to have some donuts and some breakfast and some coffee. And so he knew it was going to be hard to resist and so he decided to tell his co-workers as a way of accountability so they would help him to stay in check. And so well, his co-workers were quite surprised on the very next day when Bob walked in with a dozen donuts. And they looked at him and said, Bob, didn't you say you weren't going to go by the donut shop today? And Bob kind of smiled and he said, these are special donuts. And I said, well, what do you mean? He said, Bob said, well, I hopped in the car this morning and when I, when I put the car in drive, I began to think, well, would the Lord like me to have a donut today? And so I prayed, Lord, if you would like me to have a donut today, I just ask that you would provide me a parking spot right in front of the door. Because you know those parking spots are hard to come by. And one of the co-workers looked at him and said, you mean to tell me that God provided a parking spot right in front of the door? That's almost impossible to come by. And Bob said, you know what? It was a miracle. The eighth time I drove around the block, there it was. Persistence. Persistence. Persistence pays off, doesn't it? The Word of God tells us here, knock, and it will be opened to you. Now, where do I get persistence from this? If we were to go back to the Greek for this word knock, and really for the words ask, seek, and knock, this is the present imperative tense. And Now, what that means is this. For, you know, basically, what you need to know is the present imperative tense was a command of continual action. And so Jesus was saying here, ask and keep on asking and it will be given to you. Seek and keep on seeking, and you will find. Knock and keep on knocking, and the door will be open to you. And so we should not just pray once, but continue to pray. We should not just look in our Bibles once and say, well, I didn't find the answer. It must not be there. No, we should continue to search. It's like that old acronym that I heard one time, PUSH, P-U-S-H. Pray until something happens. And then I would add this, and keep on praying. Because that is how we hear from the Lord, is we continually ask, we continually seek, we continually knock. And we don't do this because we're trying to um, get God's attention as if he doesn't hear us. I understand that. And we don't do this because we want to be like a little kid who can't take no for an answer and we keep pestering our parents. That's not the point here. The point is this, we do so for the same reasons we talked about earlier. Because as we continually pray, that action keeps us in a posture of humility and trust. That as my heart remains in prayer, it remains on its knees in faith and in trust, waiting patiently for the Lord to provide. Persistence points to trust. You see, if I wasn't persistent, if I, if, I, if I prayed once and I didn't get an answer and I walked away and did my own thing, I'm showing that I don't really trust the Lord. But when I continually come back to the Lord, I'm showing that, yes, I do believe that God will answer what I'm asking. Now listen to the, what Jesus says next in this verse. He says in verse 8, he says, For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks it will be opened. That is a promise, folks. You can take that to the bank. But then he goes on and he says in verse 9, now this is how it relates to trust. He says, which one of you, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? 
Or if he asks for a fish, we'll give him a serpent. If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? Jesus' point is trust. He says, look, he uses the example of a parent, of a good parent. Now, there are, there are parents out there that, that don't take care of their kids. Don't misunderstand me. But Jesus is using the example here of a good, reasonable parent who actually cares for the needs of their children. Now, what good parent would see that their kid actually needs food and instead get them something else? They wouldn't, right? If they love and care for that child, they would take care of them, correct? They would provide for them what they need. Well, Jesus says, if we who are sinful people will still take care of our kids, don't you think that God will take care of you, considering he is the good, good father? who is perfect in every way, we can trust Him. And so my message this morning comes down to this point, that when we feel like God is silent, don't let that be a motivation to stop, but instead to keep on praying, to keep on searching, to keep on trusting, even when it seems like the answer isn't going to come, because God knows our needs, and God will answer. This morning as we come to a time of invitation, I need to ask this question. Are you struggling with something in your prayer life? Is there something in your heart that you have been calling out to the Lord over and over about, but yet God has not answered you? Let me just encourage you with the words of Jesus here. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. You will find. Knock and it will be open to you. Folks, this is not prosperity gospel. This is the truth of the word of God. God will respond. Would you bow with me? In this room today, there may be some others who here do not know our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Let me tell you, the first prayer that he hopes and wants to answer for you today is the prayer of salvation. Would you trust our Lord and Savior to forgive you of your sins and to be the master and ruler of your life? If that's you today, I ask that you would come down here and allow me to talk to you, allow Brother Jack and Brother Gary to talk to you and share with you the good news of Jesus and how he wants to save you from an eternity in hell and give you a new life in him. And for those who are believers in this room today, and you are burdened today, I just want to encourage you to keep praying. To not lose sight that your Father knows and He has heard. And to trust Him in His timing. Father, we do lift up our congregation today. God, I pray for every individual in this room that you would deal with them as you see fit. That whatever position they're in today, God, I pray that you would speak to their hearts through the power of your word. I pray that they would hear this passage and they would be driven to trust more, to call out to you more, to not lose faith in those seasons of life where it feels like that you are holding out when in reality we know the truth. You're just waiting on that right moment to answer in the way that you believe is the best. Father, we do pray for those in this room who are lost. 
I do ask that you would just burden their hearts to want to turn their life over to you, to call out to Jesus and ask him to forgive them of their sins. I pray that there will be movement today, God, in this service and in the next. God, I pray that, that you would move in this time of invitation. And it's in Christ's name we do pray. Amen. You stand as we sing.